Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In her latest film, director Cecilia Miniuki takes a sharp-eyed look at the foibles and follies of people in flux. Life Upside Down is a romantic comedy about time, distance, and the human condition. Three couples connected by friendship, love, and work each are stuck in their respective homes in Los Angeles during the beginning of the lockdown. The film again is called Life Upside Down, and we're joined today by the director, Cecilia Meniuki. Cecilia, welcome to Film School Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Life Upside Down has a wonderful cast. Bob Odenkirk, Rada Mitchell, and Danny Houston all are very effective and funny and dramatic, wonderfully done. Uh, and uh, the film, as I said, takes place in the time in which we were still uncertain as to the trajectory of COVID, what was going to happen, how it was going to impact our lives. What inspired you to make this film? the necessity of not going insane <laughs> during that time. I was about to make a new film just before COVID hit. And then unfortunately, because of COVID, everything got put on hold. The financier actually of the film passed away because of COVID and it was really horrible. And I thought to myself, what can I do to survive this period, you know, creatively? And so I thought, let's try and experiment and make a movie, you know, from remote. And uh, so I called the cast, I called Bob, and I said, Bob, what do you think about doing something like this? And he said, cool, I'm in. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I spoke to Danny and uh, Radha. Radha and I had already spoken about doing something together for a while. So anyway, it all came together. And even if nobody was together, the project came together. <laughs> so. yeah. Bob Odenkirk, what I find great about him in terms of his his talent as a, as a writer, as well as a performer, uh, in that he came out of the school of comedy. He started yes. as a comedian, as an improv yes. comic. Yes. If people who listen to the show will have heard me say this uh, more than once or twice, and that is, I love to see comedians or people coming out of a comedy background become accomplished actors. Drama, they can do it all. And and yeah. I and I it's I I there's got to be something about their background as a comedian of reading a room as a comedian of being un- able to understand the moment, telling the truth because that's what comedy for me is a lot oh, about. Absolutely. That's so beauty. Is that does that square with what you what you saw in his work here? Absolutely, absolutely. I've been an, an admirer of his work for a long time before any of this huge fame came about. I wanted to. I actually did cast him for another movie I was making, and unfortunately, at the time, because he didn't have as much fame, uh, the producers did not allow me to go through with my idea and so i always thought you know i would really love to work with bob and so this was a an opportunity to 
go back to him and say, hey, let's finally do something together. And he was so gracious and game and just a pleasure to work with and a great human being as well. So he has it all. He, he does. And it's something about him. And we see it in this film. Uh, at times, uh, there's his character is saddened by the situation he finds himself in. But there's so much empathy or what it is. Yes. When I look at his face, he has a face that conveys a lot. Of yes. It's probably one of his biggest qualities is exactly that, is the compassion and the empathy he has toward humankind in general and the, a deep understanding of human condition and life. And uh, that makes him a generous person, an understanding person, a very rounded human being, like we really need nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we do. And Rada Mitchell, we know, and the first time I ever saw her was in a wonderful film called High Art. High Art, of course. I loved her. I loved the film. Oh, yeah, was, she was fantastic. Yeah. And she's been in a number of other films I think we would know her from, which is uh, yeah. Man on Fire, Finding Neverland. Yes, um, she was in, uh, she was Melinda, Melinda in Melinda yes. by Woody <laughs> Allen. Yeah. And yes. then, and you mentioned Danny, Danny Houston, who oh, Danny, uh, Danny only... is a class act, you know, or in all ways, a gentleman and a gentleman and a wonderful actor with a great presence, a fantastic voice and a deep background, very well read. A pleasure again to work with. Yeah. And his wife and that his came wife. It came in at the last minute because I didn't know she was in town. And so we we had her in the film playing his wife, which is in actuality the truth. Anyway, it's he, it is his wife. She's an English actress, like all actors from the UK, very well schooled and actually a wonderful, wonderful wonderful actress a wonderful person as well yeah that would be rosie fellner and um, rosie fellner her name wonderful is. worker and the last thing that i saw danny in uh was a huge blockbuster of oh wonder, yes wonder woman oh yes and, yeah and a very different kind of role here and i i, I love the the way he has in, in relation to that last role i mentioned softened the edges of him his character of himself in the film he comes across a very different kind of personality in the film so but that's a that's a great actor so yes. so yes. let's go back let's the story is it's an unfolding story and one of the strengths of the film and i really this i don't see it very often in film and that is the progression of the story the arc of the stories and I guess in some ways it's a tip-off in the in the uh, in the title of the film. They 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 wander in a direction you think you see the arc of their story, and then it one it will end up going in another direction. And it it happens to all of the characters in the film. We see uh, this ever changing, shifting, and it's so much what life is. That's what I appreciated about it. Right. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, we we tried to do a. A piece of work that was truthful and honest and uh, truthful to the times that we were all living in, relatable. Thank you. Well, I, again, I, I just want to underscore this. We think we know where things are going to go. They seem to be going. And, and it's the subtle things that you introduce in the story, the very understated things that come into play 
to begin to see another direction, right? Now that's yeah. in the writing. Yes, that was in the writing because believe it or not, we, we did have a script. <laughs> I did put together a script in a couple of weeks, but I did. It was a regular script, and uh, which was a good thing to have because we, you know, the the actual making of the film was so unprecedented, and I personally had no idea what would be the ultimate result. I mean, I went for the bigger picture, but I knew I was also experimenting you know, with, with, with the means I was using and the way we were making the film, the script came in very handy. Okay. Expound on that. Are you saying that you were improving a little bit here? Was there so, or was it all scripted? Okay. It was all scripted, but I did leave some freedom for the actors to improvise a little bit, you know, so they would come up with little pieces of dialogue and, uh, ideas as we were going along but there was a structure and there was a script that they all followed when was this filmed this was at the very beginning of the oh. pandemic oh yeah we started doing this in may i mean i came up with the idea in, in april <laughs> and in may we got together and we started shooting at the end of may beginning of june so yeah it was just at the very beginning was we had no idea what was going on we were all you know locked in and yeah all scared and wondering and no idea what was going on and no vaccine no cure no nothing nothing no Nothing it was like the very beginning. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 under those circumstances, my goodness, that's uh that's <laughs> I would like to remind our listeners we're speaking with Cecilia Minayuki, and she is the director of this wonderful narrative comedy drama called Life Upside Down. Okay, thank you. I'll let me I'll say that then. The film is opening here in Los Angeles on uh, January 27th. That's a Friday. Be looking for this film because for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's the it's the acting is terrific. The story, as I was just alluding to, is interesting and will take you in places that you're not expecting to go. I do want to put a, a, some um, the the look of the film, your cinematography on this film. It's very LA. It's very bright. I I just I like the look of the film. Tell me a little bit of what is what you were going for with the. Uh... Oh, thank you very much. You know how how. Uh, well, the the opening and the closing scenes, uh, were shot in a regular way with a you know within the style that I like to shoot in with a lot of movement, steady camera, following the actors, giving actor space, freedom, um, not never pinning them down with marks or any of that. And, and then, you know, COVID um, hits and, uh, and the style of the film changes. The camera is still, the camera is slightly lower than the eye level. And um, the characters are the ones that, that move about, but mm -hmm. the camera is still throughout, you know, part of filming, which is the major part of the film. And um, and the look, it is pretty much the way it was shot. Of course, we did some kind of correcting, but as you know, that part of the film was shot 
with me directing from remote through my computers, looking into a device that one of my producers, Carl F. Berg, put together, he physically put together, made this device to take to each actor's house. And this device had microphones, iPads, and iPhones. And so I would be directing from my computers at home through this device, through the iPads, through the iPhone. So uh, we did the best we could. We had a couple of microphones, but that was it. So I kept it very natural and I tried to pick the best parts of these houses, these locations. And at times I would be shooting two locations at the same time contemporarily. So with two different devices and two different monitors from remote. Oh so, 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 so you were kind of at the command center. Yes, right? I have this command center <laughs> right here where I'm at, just with an extra one or two monitors, and that was it. Action, boom. And we we all had our fingers crossed. And I don't think they believed that we would we would actually manage to get a real film out of this. Everybody thought oh, it was just an experiment. Maybe we're lucky if we have a short film. But no, I knew in the back of my mind that I was going for something that would not waste anybody's time within well, the limitations that we had. Well, congratulations on that part of it. Um, Thank you. I want to talk also a bit because uh, your background in film. Yes. Um, and the people that you worked with. And I'm, yes. I'm curious, you know, sort of the influences as you grown as a filmmaker. As, let me say that again. As yes. you've grown as a filmmaker, uh, you work with people like Lena Wootmiller, um, yes. Federico Fellini, yes. Taviani Brothers, uh, and Francis Ford Coppola. In that journey as a filmmaker, you were picking up what the way that they shot the, what kind of stories you wanted to tell? What were the things that you were pulling from these different? You know, that's a very, it's a very good question. Um, I must have been influenced by all of them. But on the other hand, because they were each so different, I just never thought of completely of a similarity that I could, you know, so although I must have been influenced by every single, each one of them, at the same time, I also felt that I had my own world and my, I had to stick to my own thing, you know? Yeah. So I, I learned how to make movies, but I didn't pick up so much their ways, their content, or their approach to, you know, to filmmaking, um, to me was more of a, not practical, but yeah, more of a practical experience and uh, an experience where you admire, you know, these this great filmmakers more than taking from them and making it, it my own. Did it give you a sense of, of permission as a filmmaker to tell the story that you wanted to tell because when you look at that list they were very much singular in the in the stories stories that if you were to present to most studios they would say no of course <laughs> and so they, but they but they were able to do that with remarkable success right did yes. that give you that sense that you can tell a story 
that you're passionate about. Yes, right? uh, sure. I mean, it, it was totally author driven and was independent filmmaking in many ways because, you know, and the, the system there, you know, allows more, allowed, especially those were, you know, wonderful times. There was much more opportunity to make, you know, these kind of films and quality films and, uh, and easier to put them together. And there was a flourishing, you know, of incredible uh, directors in Europe and in Italy, especially as well. And uh, and here, well, I mean, Francis, I, I was on a couple of sets, uh, but I was working mostly with Fred Roos that also okay. became another, my American mentor, and uh, that also produced my films here in the States and uh, he's also part of this one. And um, and that's an all different world coming here, uh, different ways to approach uh, filmmaking, but you know, talent is talent, is universal yeah. Yeah. and you can recognize it. Does, does it. does it help that coming from a European background with these filmmakers, where you saw more support, public support, public money support for filmmakers, where that doesn't seem to be the case here in the United States. It's all private, right? It's, it's all, all private. It's all private, yeah. It's a, I personally, uh, coming from Europe and trying to plunge into the American uh, filmmaking system as if I were American, I did encounter a lot of obstacles. I would lie if I... But on the other hand, every filmmaker encounters obstacles. Maybe I had an extra few <laughs> not being originally well, and, also, and being a female as there well. There you go. There you go. Oh, absolutely. There is no doubt. I've never been a fighting feminist, but I've always been for equal opportunity. And I must say that, no, um, I was told, I was telling my my representatives the other day i was told in another interview uh from a journal by a journalist uh, from italy that uh, i'm the only italian uh unfortunately i'm the only italian filmmaker that is making films in the united states american films mm -hmm. and uh it's i thought god this is really flattering at first and then i thought it was the saddest thing ever because that means that we still have ways to go you know we have to open up more we have to create more opportunities yes. race color nationality religion well said and um again my congratulations on life upside down well, congratulations you. on this wonderful cast and a very um entertaining stories that we we get to enjoy over the course of it thank um, you so much you're very welcome we've been speaking with cecilia miniuki the director and writer of life upside down um i look forward to more work and uh thank you so much for spending some time with us here on film school radio of course thank you for having me You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.